We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, and we seek blessings upon the Prophet. Peace be upon him. All right, we are continuing our exploration through Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4. Does anybody have any questions about anything we've been covering or will be about to cover, related, unrelated, any questions at all? Are we done with the repentance um, unless conversation? You Unless you want to bring in something, by all means. Uh, no, can you just, there was the fourth portion that you didn't list out. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. When we were talking about it. So the fourth portion. Oh, you can't see my screen. No, we can't. So the fourth portion is that if I am seeking re- um, forgiveness from a person I have wronged, then the question is, do I fix what I have broken? So if I stole from them, do I give the money back? If I broke something, do I fix it? If I lied to them, do I tell the truth in terms of seeking their forgiveness? If yes, uh, because I did or because I would have if it was possible, then we can assume I am sincere, but it does not mean they have any obligation to forgive me. So the fourth step is necessary for sincerity. When you've done wrong to someone else. I see. Okay. But you could totally, let's say you burned down my house. You know, know, I use that as an example with a student today. Bad move because someone actually burned down her house. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Right. Anyway. So let's say. I'm sorry. Yeah. She's had a very, very tough life. But uh, in this context, suppose I burned down your house. And I ask you for forgiveness, and there's no mention of fixing anything. You might be just as motivated or unmotivated to forgive me if I completely rebuilt your house from scratch. That's odd. that's up to you. In this class, did we get into the story about the the guy walking through the orchards and eating the the fruit? Did we do that in this class? Some of you know the story. Okay, so this is one of the cool stories. Who said Sadia? Did you say something? Yeah, I said we did. I think in this class we discussed Okay, so I'll start. Okay, some people are saying, okay, I'll just tell you the story anyway. So this guy's traveling and he is hungry. He walks by this orchard and he eats some apples or oranges from the trees. And he goes and finds the owner of the orchard to seek forgiveness for eating, we'll say, his oranges. And the owner says, I am happy to forgive you if, number one, you work for me for eight years and you marry my daughter afterwards. But my daughter is blind, deaf, mute, has no hands, no feet. If you do this, then I will forgive you. So he says, okay, that's what I have to do. So he works for the man for full eight years. And then when he's done, he says, okay, now I have to marry your daughter. And the man's, and the owner says, okay, fine. And so marries a daughter, has not met her yet, and then goes to the bridal suite and he meets her. And he meets this woman who is 100% completely healthy without blemish, blah, blah, blah. And he is surprised. He said, your father said all these things about you. And the woman said, uh, yeah, my father wasn't lying. He was just speaking in metaphor. 
He was saying, I was blind because I've never seen sin. I'm deaf because I've never heard sin. I'm mute because I've never spoken sin. I have no feet because I never walked towards sin. And I have no hands because I've never done sin. And so what was actually taking place, at first it looked like the man, the owner of the orchard, was giving these ridiculously difficult rules for this guy to get forgiveness for eating a couple of oranges. Rather, the man, the orchard uh, owner was so impressed that this person sought forgiveness that he wanted to see if he was worth his daughter, which he was. And then as the legend goes, their child was Abdul Qadir Jilani, who is one of the big scholars of all of Islamic history. Cool story, true or false, who knows? So the point is that you can still give terms if you want for forgiveness of someone else. And then it's on them to decide if they're going to accept your terms. So, make sense? But for me to be sincere in my request, I have to try to fix, if I can, whatever it is that I broke. Hamid. Yeah, it's funny you share that story today because uh, as as uh, allegedly today is the marks the birthday of Shah Abdul Qadir Jilani. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sadia. So I was thinking about your question yesterday about like how should Allah um, uh, be fair if he doesn't forgive us? If the person, the other person is not forgiving us, right? Oh, right, right, yeah. So if, yeah. if I wrong you and you don't forgive me, is it fair for Allah to forgive me over you? Right. And I think that most of us gave the same answer or similar answer um, that we were all hopeful for Allah's mercy and whatnot. But, um, and I think we, it's because we were just focused on ourselves and not thinking that. Um, or at least I, that Allah, I mean, for the other, from the perspective of the other person, they are just expecting as much fairness and mercy as we are. Yes. And the whole point of us having the day of judgment as a consolation is that whatever wrong happens to me in this world, Allah is going to be just on the day so so it's basically like we have to also think about from the perspective of the other person and then we can comfortably say that yeah the answer should be no yeah i think uh, that's a very very important point that uh, i didn't think to bring up yesterday that if i'm the one requesting for forgiveness then yeah i'm hoping for allah to forgive me if you don't but if you're the one choosing to grant forgiveness then for you it might be unfair if Allah gives them forgiveness and I don't, and you don't. Yeah, very, very important point. Thank you for that. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections on the question of repentance before we get into the next ayahs? Okay, so now we are on ayah 19. And let's go, let me find the screen here. Yeah, once again, nod, do something, make it look like you can get. Okay, thank you. Okay. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu. 
So, oh, you who believe, oh, you who profess to believe, oh, you who claim to believe, it is not halal for you that you inherit women by force against their will in a way that they don't want. Okay. Do not hold on to them so that you may take away some of what you have given them unless they commit a clearly shameful act. Live with them. Here it says recognized manner, but essentially live with them in dignity and kindness. Okay. If you dislike them, then it is likely that you dislike something that Allah has placed a lot of good in it. First part of the ayah, I don't think anybody has any issue with. I think everybody likes the first part of the ayah, right? Don't force women to be inherited. This was major, a major jahili practice at that time, uh, which is still kind of frightening to think about even conceptually. Any thoughts, reflections on the first part anyway? Yeah, I think we're all probably on the same page on, on that one. But the fact that it's in the Quran, I think it makes it scary to think how common this probably is in world history. So it's one thing for it to be a practice of the people of Mecca and or Medina. But if it is that significant that it's in the Quran, leads me to infer that it's far more common in the history of the world at that moment. I mean, even today, like with prostitution and sex trade in general, this apply perhaps the same universe yeah you know uh uh whatever little i've studied of that field uh doesn't seem to be that people go into this field by choice Quran. so like is it the uh, let's say hypothetical that if uh, if something happens like um like means some sort of uh if, if the civilization reverts back to Jahiliya, for example, right? Um, or the slavery comes back in some scenario, something happens to the uh, at the global level, right? Yeah. Um, so these ayahs still be, you know, means can stand on their foot, foot right? Yeah. And they can they can hold the humanity mm-hmm. to a guidance. Absolutely. Uh, or keep going. So actually, the, the reason uh, I, I got this from Jonathan Brown's book, um, uh, he was on his lecture about slavery, sure. like how, what are the scenarios that the slavery come, can come back actually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, so, so that triggered actually uh, sure. this point. Oh, absolutely. That if it's in the Quran, it was probably in the past significant enough to be in the Quran. And there's the risk that it'll come back. Now, to give you a different example, I don't recall any ayah against cannibalism, right? Uh, there's no ayah that says you can't eat humans yeah, or even hinting at that. Uh, but there are these ayahs. And so the point I'm making is we know cannibalism is a thing in human history, but this was perhaps significantly more. Which you have to wonder about. And so on that note, a question that I'd like you to reflect upon What is the biggest issue of patriarchy that we think of when we think of the people of Mecca at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him? It's an easier question, like no need to overthink. Killing baby girls? their daughters? Exactly. Okay. Now, 
I want you to try to walk through what would have to happen in the course of a generation or a couple of generations in a society for that to not only be considered to be acceptable, but the norm. Like, you know, the legend that is attributed to Amr, which is probably false, but it's still a really good story. You know what I'm talking about, right? That sometimes he would laugh, sometimes he would cry. And this is in during his days as a Khalifa and people would ask, why are you laughing? And he said, uh, I'm thinking back to my Jahili days. And there was this one time I was traveling like on a business trip and I forgot to bring my idol with me. And so then I took these dates and I formed them into my idol. And then I got hungry. So I ate my God. So he'd laugh about that. Like, you know, how absurd was this? But sometimes he would cry and they asked, why are you crying? He says, I'm thinking back to my days of Jahiliya. And I had a daughter. Say Umar. Yes. Yes, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab. Yeah. And, and so, I thought you were calling my name. So, uh, I, would, I had this daughter and right from the moment she was born, I loved her very much. But my loyalty to my traditions overtook me. And I decided that I have to do the deed. And as I am burying her, she's watching the dust go into my beard. And she's reaching up and knocking it off my beard while I'm putting the dirt and dust over her. And so he would cry about that. True or false, it seems to be this is more legend than actual true story, but it's still a very, very uh, lesson-filled story. But walk through what kind of society, what processes would you have to go through where that is considered to be normal, acceptable behavior? Any thoughts? Because it's easy for us to write off the Quraysh as a bunch of jahils doing all these things. But when we look at how they responded to the Prophet, peace be upon him, as he was getting more and more popular, it was a very rational, deliberate process. Any thoughts? This is pure speculation, so. Danya. Something really traumatic, I would think. Okay. Like, walk me through it. Um, some sort of scenario where they're women, daughters, etc. Um, suffered somehow with them like viewing it or, or being part of maybe that. Um, but it, it, I mean, like it has to be traumatic enough and something severe enough to scar them, I think, to the point where that, that has become common practice. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I, I can't really come up with a scenario, sure. but that's what pops into my head. Mm-hmm. Now, fair enough. Why am I asking this question? Because think about this scenario that we have in this ayah, which to us, the idea of taking women in inheritance sounds so abhorrent and inhumane, but we can all believe that some people did it. But then further, what will people look at us today, the West 2023, you know, the US and however many Canadians are here, and then think the same thing. Marwa. Um, yes, I'm like, I usually have to listen to the recording, so I'm really happy to be here live. Uh, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, good to have you. Um, 
I was thinking of maybe a different angle, which is just, you know, the idea that maybe women were so extremely treated like um, property in different so that ways. That would be a step prior, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like, you know, if you think about um, slavery in America and that kind of thing, like when you when you dehumanize someone, they're just a thing, all mm -hmm. sorts of horrible things can happen to them. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't think about them as humans anymore. And so I think that is a major step that is in this process, that you remove somebody's humanity. And then, and this is very much part of so many wars in history. This is definitely, as you said, part of slavery. Right, slavery, especially is the chattel slavery that we had in the society, right? That you literally had theologies related to the Hamitic curse. I don't know. Are you are you all familiar with the Hamitic curse? Okay, so so part of the constructive theology is that Noah, peace be upon him, had three sons, right? Uh, Sam, Ham, and Japheth. I'm totally ruining the pronunciation. Sam went into the uh, the Middle Eastern regions and is the father of the Semitic traditions. Ham went to the east all the way to essentially uh, the Chinese direction as well as Sub-Saharan Africa. And Japheth went to the other places like Europe and something. And I'm probably mixing that point. But the fact of Ham going to Africa is significant because Ham, uh, Ham is the son who in the Bible saw Noah naked and and thus was cursed for it whereas the other sons covered him up and so they were not cursed and so then this whole theology was constructed about the hamitic curse that africans are destined to be cursed and that was a theology being fed to the enslaved so one aspect of theology is dehumanizing the other the other aspect of theology, this is like we literally discussed this in the previous hour in the other class. Theology is often constructed by power. Um, the other aspect of theology is to keep the to keep the the people uh, subjugated more subjugated. And so, yeah, I'm suggesting one big prior step before all of that is dehumanizing whoever the population is. And I would suggest a step even prior to that was some sort of power material interest. So they were merchants and warriors, and they had probably convinced themselves that women were more excess to society than an asset to society, especially if they had a tradition of slaves, that whatever women could or would do in a society, they have slaves to cover most of those things. And then that led to a certain theology. And what's also interesting in these goofy theological systems that we seem to find over and over again throughout history is what was the status, what was the condition of God in the, the era of the Quraysh? God had daughters. And to whom did they go for spiritual questions? They went to all these sorceresses. And so the strange balance that gets formed is when you're crushing a population, you also elevate them almost as a way in your theology for your own sanity. That's the ayah literally in the Quran. You've assigned daughters to Allah, even though you never want daughters yourselves. So you see what I'm saying? I'm suggesting there's some big material, rather rational or absurd decision people made about a population. Could be that we can exploit this population. Could be that we feel like they're getting in the way. 
and we don't need them for whatever. And then that leads to the creation of multiple levels of a theology, which then leads to the horrific behavior. And so what I'm effectively saying is that the burying of these daughters, astaghfirullah, was a religious act for them. Probably had rituals associated with it in the same way we have rituals associated with birth and marriage and death and everything. But the bigger point is to imagine how does the population dehumanize another, which is effectively dehumanizing itself. Now, having said that, forgetting everything, what do you think our practices today that we might be doing, that we might be considering normal, that 500 years from now, people might look at us and say, can you believe what these people did? Any thoughts? I have a thought. Yeah, how many? Uh... The use of smartphones in the the materials that go in them, the world kind of just turns a blind eye to the to the mines and the slavery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I made the mention this class. I made the mistake or not <clears throat> of stumbling onto the whole cobalt industry, and it's uh, it's kind of gross to put it lightly. Yeah, I just saw a video uh, yesterday on social media. One of those mines had collapsed. And oh, people so well. were trying to escape. And literally, it's just dirt and like uh, like a landslide. And people are just jumping out of the dirt. It was terrible. So, uh, so. Yeah. So even if we don't have slavery in our society, we definitely have international slavery or forced labor. And your thoughts? What would people look at us today and think, how on earth could these people be doing this? Khurram and then Zishan. Um, one of the things I would think if I would go in 500 years and I look back, like our patterns and behaviors, like especially related to consume, consuming or consumption, like how frequently we change the things, mm -hmm. very frequently, and mm -hmm. how frequently we dispose of the things. Yeah, this disposal this disposal culture, you know, we'd call it consumer culture, uh, is also a big, strange, fascinating thing. I mean, a simple example of that. I don't know how many of these boxes you can see behind me uh, that I required the, the Muslim students that we have to, uh, for iftar, we have to use completely easily biodegradable uh, products. Otherwise, in one Ramadan, we might literally go through uh, uh, 3,000 uh, plates, right? 3,000 forks, 3,000 knives, 3,000 spoons. And I told them we're not going to get water. We're definitely not getting a water bottle. It's complete waste. People get water on their own uh, for this exact reason. And think about how easily a month is to go through with all this completely wasted. And the mosques, uh, especially uh, during uh, Taravi, mm -hmm. like the mosques have like so many like uh, like uh, disposable bottles there. Mm -hmm. And 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 when you are leaving at the, after twenty or sixteen or like all the waste uh, waste bins are full of those bottles. Right? Yeah, so imagine a month. Yeah, exactly. Go for a month. Zishan, I was just thinking of the slavery comment. Uh, you know all these other uh, aspects, right? So please, the uh, there in times even in fourteen hundred years ago, there were definitely slaves, and there were you know spoils of war and all of that. I don't think it was that different. Um, now that you have much more awareness and you have more like, you know, this is what it should be. There shouldn't be the traditional slavery component to it. So we have come a ways from it. 
and I would like to say that, you know, if we talk about cobalt and all these things, is it a prerogative of you sitting in this country or is it like the people who are closer in that country, mm-hmm. which are the abusers? Like, you know, we, we all know about like the, the, the people who sold the slaves to the U.S. American were probably some Muslims who sold some Muslims who were on those votes. Yes. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's the way and we're not I'm not saying I guess this is not anything that we should aspire to or this we believe was wrong. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that I don't think it's it's. It's come a long way still. I, I would say we're still, it's not uh, representative of uh, things. And, and there are definitely better ways to look at it today uh, mm-hmm. than before. No, no, I, I would agree with that, right? The abolition of slavery in this country specifically is uh, a huge thing. I mean, some might argue that the actual reason for the abolition of slavery was to cripple the South, you know, in, in terms of the Civil War, but still the result was the abolition of slavery. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but still, the question being, what would people look at in terms of what we do today? How much responsibility do I have <clears throat> regarding whether it's you know all the uh, marriage, uh, not the, uh, so the marriage, all the human rights violations uh, that are involved for me to have my life? Uh, the the answer that I gave that I might have done in this class earlier is first, you should make all of your transactions halal. Uh, at least make sure the transactions themselves are halal. And then from there, you can take a step further and take a step further. But we also cannot give uh, a blind eye or meaning, you know, this is the whole, uh, if you feel, if you see something wrong, change with the hand, otherwise change it with your tongue, otherwise feel bad about your heart. That's the weakest level of faith. And this goes back to the same point everyone's hearing from me in this class, that if you're in this class, you have to do more than feel bad in your heart. So, and your thoughts about our era today. Sadia. Um, you know how the labor conditions are? And um, sometimes I feel like capitalism, how it works now, seems to be quite selfish and Jahiliya-like. So, so the repeated thing over and over again seems to basically be Capitalism is what's destroying everything. Maybe. Yeah. Shahir. The whole gender issues right now. Like what specifically? Like how we have, it seems like we have more than 15 or 20 genders Mm. going around. Could be. We might look back uh, uh, 500 years from now. Or they might look back at 300 years before now and say, why they only had two? Okay. Uh, Malahat, then Adnan, then Ahad. Assalamu alaikum. So, Wa alaikum assalam. Two things. One is that uh, somebody says capitalism is, is the form of slavery. So where are you going to put the Russia and, and China? Because they are not capitalist. Uh, but they are like the human rights violation happening over there more than happening in West yeah, or in capital. Although we probably say that every country in the world is now capitalist, even when they call themselves communists. But still, the point is still the, the fair point. So. The second thing is that, you know, how can we, because we have our own bias. So I don't think so. Any list we generate today, it's it's incomplete, right? I don't think so. It's going to be complete or have any be incomplete. Bias. But the... Mm-hmm. 
like a way to think about this is were there people in the time of the prophet peace be upon him who regarded the bearing of girls as wrong i think definitely hmm. including some of the people who participated right that's part of the story of sumaya is her father kept her hidden and so those ayahs in the quran where the prophet peace be upon him you know by saying the quran is speaking against that practice that especially touched her um but i mean there's part of a there's a second point to the exercise but i do think that there's some things that we can identify Make yeah sense? so, so yeah. yeah it makes sense so so that's brought another question that you know it's like like this bard is like oic or something that are they are they have something like that to generate any list or they are publishing any list something like that that you know that top 10 issues or some issues for the the current society on social fabric and this and that i mean whether or not they specifically do i i have absolutely no idea uh, are there other groups that do things like this like the human rights groups definitely hmm. you know, so. so where do you put the poverty then i would say global poverty would absolutely be on this list uh especially the difference between wealth and poverty no so th- that has been increased right in, i think it's absolutely been increased and no. since since when like last 200 years or last 500 years or i'd say at least the last 100 years with the development of globalized companies so after the industrial era right yeah that's my thought so that will get worse right because now we are in informational age and then far worse it's far worse yeah. yeah i mean i've had students uh, i've had students here over the years who have relatives that that work in sweatshops and they were raised here but their cousin back home in bangladesh is getting paid 25 cents a day yeah. to make you know the clothes that we wear so adnan ah uh. I mean I agree with everyone's comments sort of about about like capitalism and like our global uh, consumption the sort of the conditions people live in but I think more local to here I would say the way we treat like our elderly population mm, as a whole a good one. In, in a way where we like I feel like we abandon them or we just leave them to yeah. go to like these nursing homes to like pass away or like a uh, neglected in some way I would say Absolutely Yeah, I mean, I I always talk about like just, you know, with my parents and such. Of course, if they had their way, they'd probably put me in the nursing home, but the point is that, you know, their concerns have have really uh their needs have really opened up my eyes to a lot of how these things operate in our society and such. Yeah, I think it's a very good example. Ahant. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. So, uh So what is the the overarching uh, message of this ayah you know have uh, you know past all these discussions like what is your your keystone pearl if you will that we'll get to in just a second inshallah yeah yeah so uh one point i'd like you all to consider that you'll hear from me many times in our local cities especially chicago the one of the biggest blights which is akin to what malahat was bringing up is hunger that i think in a city like chicago if just look at the muslim community alone in chicago how much wealth we have how much education we have how many resources we have there's no reason we should be having hunger in chicago because hunger is not a matter of lack of food hunger is a matter, a matter of policy and distribution 
that I truly believe if the Muslim community, if enough people in the Muslim community alone got together to eradicate hunger, it can be done within 20 years. But if we if we signed up with the Catholics, with the Jews, for example, we could totally eradicate hunger in Chicago. Uh, and I think as long as there's hunger in Chicago, that is a proof against every single religious community, starting with us, but especially the Catholics, especially the Jews as well. So that would be my immediate answer at the top of the list. Uh, Ahant, is your hand uh, still raised or is it re-raised? And then Malahat. Uh, yeah. Uh, so my second like question was, um, at the end of the ayah, it says, uh, if you dislike them, then perhaps, you know, like you may not be seeing the good uh, that's in them. Uh, is that um, is that a a general like worldview that's being uh, prescribed to like everything, or is there specificity in that? If you could expand on that. Okay, we'll get to that in a second, inshallah. Malahat. Uh, yeah, so I think you just brought up a very interesting point, and it's kind of like hitting me for a for years that, you know, in Chicago, but every time we're trying to do some charity or distribution of our obligation, like Zakat and all those things, you know, it's, it's all would get divided very honestly, like for the South Asian people, at least that, you know, we end up sending a big chunk of it 7,000 miles away mm -hmm. India or Pakistan, mm -hmm. because, you know, that when we, when we do this comparing of the, of the, of the issues and, and poverty, then we end up distributing it or we, we send like a big share out of the country. Mm -hmm. So we cannot make any impact neither over there nor here. Mm -hmm. And that, that's remind me like many, many years ago, Imam Zayed Shakir, when he used to be an Imam in Hartford Seminary, oh, I mean mm -hmm. in Atticut, yeah. he said that, that, you know, I think this is one of the, the biggest dilemma of the Muslim community living in West. Mm -hmm. You know, they're worried about more, you know, people sitting in 7,000 miles away and they send to those, some Absolutely. of the people to distribute the money rather than they can yeah. take care of themselves by their own hand in yeah. their neighborhood. So, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, there, I mean, we can speak more about like the, the how, to, how to address the, the hunger issue, but you're illustrating one of the problems that we don't give as much attention to our neighbor as we do to a person 7,000 miles away who is our ethnicity and our blood or i should say at least uh, uh in our theme okay so ahan did you ask are you have another question uh no sorry okay okay. okay so bring this then to the rest of the ayah what is it being stated here Okay, do not hold on to them so that you may take away some of what you have given to them unless they commit a clearly shameful act. So also what's being said here is don't hold them back as a way to cause them to suffer or so that you can take advantage of it. Common, common issue in, in marital conflict where one person wants to end the marriage and they're just going to keep the other person in suspense, hoping the other person will pursue the marriage. So I've had multiple cases where you'll have the husband, and these examples, the husband doesn't want to be married anymore. And will literally leave the house, move back in with his parents, and not give any response to the wife. And the hope is that the wife then pursues divorce. And then he can argue, well, she pursued the divorce, so she should give up her marriage. Okay. 
So at one level, we're speaking about inheritance. At a deeper level, we're talking about the techniques people do of abuse. And so you may not be causing someone to be inherited, as, as horrendous as that is, but it may be a very common practice that you're basically trying to make someone so miserable that you manipulate them to get what you want. That, I think, is very common. I mean, that's very common in my office in terms of husbands and wives. I had an issue like that exactly today. Okay. But what are we being prescribed in the context of women in general? So it's speaking to men about women is live with them. Again, I don't like this translation. Live with them in good manner. That's a little bit better. It's The word recognized manner is it's orf ma'ruf, which literally is that which is known. But essentially we're saying live with them with dignity. So the point we were making about all these different abuses, the end result somewhere in there consciously or unconsciously is that we're dehumanizing people. The goal is to recognize the humanity of someone such that you conduct them with dignity. You interact with them with the dignity that is of their value. And so think of that as automatically at least for the self, a treatment against these abuses. And if you dislike them, okay, so this is in the context of husband to wife, it's a repeated ayah, a repeated phrase in the Quran. Uh, at the bare minimum, it may be that there's something good for you that you don't like. Okay. So there actually might be higher in this person for which you just don't like them. So we're saying if it is too hard for you to conduct yourself conduct dignity in your interaction with them at the very least recognize that there might be good that you don't see so at one level the ayah is basically giving this thing that for all of us in this room might be an obvious point don't put in women through inheritance but deeper than that don't force people don't manipulate people in such a way for you to get them to be in such misery that they'll give you what you want. And then in contrast, treat people with dignity. And if that is too hard for you, recognize that they have good that you can't see. Make sense? Ahant, does that sort of make sense to you? Uh, yeah, can you repeat that like last part? Okay, so overall, message of the ayah don't force women to be inherited okay the deeper point is don't treat people here specifically women specifically your wives don't treat people with such misery that they're going to give in so you can take advantage of them okay. so it's one thing to force somebody to to give in it's far more devious when you make their lives so hard that they're going to give in. And so the example I'm giving is, is the case of these husbands that leave and they want the wife to pursue the divorce so they don't have to pay the mayor. Yeah. Yeah, last summer I had like four of these. And there's usually like the really, really mean mother-in-law that was involved in the, in the whole picture, right? You're probably the like orchestrator of all of it. <laughs> yeah. But then the reverse behavior is what? Treat people, speak to people, 
with kindness and dignity. Okay. And if that is too hard for you, recognize that this person has good that Allah has put in them that you may not recognize. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. So, Hamid. Uh, when we speak about women being inherited in this verse, is that like if someone has slaves who are women and giving them as inheritance, or is that like a family member? Like, how exactly does that work? So, in terms of how Jahil the Jahils got, uh, you know, father would have ten wives, and then he'd bequeath them to his son. Yeah, and and like that's something that the son would be happy with. That's that was normal process of life again we're speaking of a society in which they're already burying the daughters that they're wagering their wives um, in poker type games so this is part of that same consciousness so. any other questions thoughts reflections about this eye or what's being stated in this eye how many you look like you have something else me yeah no, no i knew i was muted okay Okay. All right, inshallah. Uh, if there's no other questions, then inshallah, we will stop here. And then, then we're going to get into more questions about where the overt context is abuses that people do in marriage. But then we're also going to look at what is the underlying point in those as well. Olfat. So when we were talking about people picking and choosing areas, that kind of were convenient for them. How do we bring some of this back? Because I, like the whole burying daughters thing, I don't think we're very far off from that. I don't think yeah. it's unrealistic. I uh, I agree with you, especially when we look at some of the laws in, in some of these other countries, you know, uh, especially where sons are very much preferred. Uh, so the second part of your question, I agree with that it's not that it's potentially not far off. Maybe it's still in much of the world. All of those best. Uh, I'm sorry. Rephrase your the first part of your question. Like, how do we change it? Yep. How do we bring some of these areas to be focused on back to 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 bring it? Yeah. Yeah. This goes back to the question of cultural change and systemic change. And and so uh, I think. Systemic change is a separate but related question, but cultural change means that people have to really push these points. So it may not have to be with this ayah, but the principle that you should conduct, uh, treat everyone with dignity, uh, I think it's a very, very important point. Or that my humanity is, uh, the value of my humanity is directly related to your humanity. You know. Uh, that my well-being is directly related to your well-being. And what am I doing? I'm just taking the eye and rewording it to our contemporary parlance. But, yeah, that's cultural change, and that requires people doing it together. Because the opposite definitely happens. You know. Uh, yeah, these are the types of things that lead me to go against my will and consider, you know, start preaching online, but right now still no, you know, to make these points. I still want to run away. Hamid. How, how would you do that? How would you preach online? Would you be posting YouTube videos or? So it turns out that one of our students here is a TikTok influencer with 300,000 followers and something like 
1.9 million likes. There's about 15 articles. This I just found out today. So I can have her teach all these things better than I can. Oh, I see. So you'd be like, you'd be the master puppeteer then with all your yeah. little MSA. Uh, you can make that a requirement actually to be on the MSA board. You have to create have a social media account and do Dawa. That there's strings attached, get it? You know, <laughs> up here, yeah. All righty. Any other questions? Uh, Sadia, her name is Sara Sadok. You can look her up. Oh. Yeah. Interesting person. Is she just be labeled a feminist? Um, I'm sorry, who is just speaking? Sadia and then Olfath. Yeah, is she in, in, in this class? No, 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 she's not in this class. She's um, a sophomore or junior here. At oh, okay. Yeah. So her little sister goes to school here too, but for the, whatever that matters. Olfath. She'll just be labeled a feminist and none of the men will listen to her. Yeah, true. Okay. Or we could call her a someone who favors masculinity and then all those people start listening to her you know Quran. i think the other idea going online is you can um you can make notes like these notes you have and um and you don't have to like and you can explain it and that's a very unique way it's true and someday i'll figure out how to give you the, the sharepoint but yeah it'll happen to show yeah Oh, Alrighty. Well, I, it's okay. Any other questions, thoughts, reflections, preferably about the topic as opposed to me? No. Okay, I can see like the the horns growing from Muhammad's head right now with whatever he's thinking. Alrighty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all, inshallah, and we will continue tomorrow, inshallah, with ayah. 20. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.